where successful artists and musicians tended not to have external applause as the main thing or external affirmation, but an internal affirmation, an internal acceptance of, well, I don't, I mean, I care if people applause and I get a job, but not really. There's another higher power having me do my craft. Welcome back to Art Vance, everybody. Welcome to you who are listening from abroad. If you have not listened to this podcast before, I want to welcome you uh, to a podcast where we are going after God's heart for the arts industry. It's uh, a unique place for uh, people to listen to things that are based around creativity, but also based around uh, getting to know what's God's heart for both mainstream and faith contexts of arts industries and, and what's God doing in this space. It's really exciting to hear stories from all over, from various creative industries of, of uh, what God's doing in the midst of artists who are living in accordance with their calling. Um, on today's episode, we have a, a special guest who's just released an amazing book that's going to be for artists of every walk. Uh, because as much as you mightn't think you're a traumatized person, um, trauma affects everyone. And there's varying degrees of trauma that especially artists who many of us artists are very uh, emotionally sensitive or spiritually sensitive people. And that does leave us susceptible to experiences of a traumatic kind, uh, whether it be rejection from people, being misunderstood, not being catered for in different environments, um, words and opinions that aren't building us up, that kind of stuff can really rock our boats and get us off track. So today's guest on the show, Andy Smith, is the author of 88 Days, A Road to Recovery from Trauma. And he's done this with his wife, Wendy Manzo, who's done the artwork. Uh, and I'm just really excited to hear the stories behind this amazing book, which is going to be a guide for a lot of you out there. So Andy, I want to welcome you to Art Vance. It's so good to have you on. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Let's let's jump right into it. Could you give us a bit of a snapshot of who is Andy Smith? <laughs> um, yes, without waffling too much. Um, I currently teach um, the Diploma of Counseling and Community Services and Youth Work, which is my third career path. The last 25 years my, so my thing is youth and youth mental health um before that i spent eight years with ibm and before that i was a drummer in a band there are different bands in melbourne uh, as a career from 71 to 85 or something like that and then disco took over mm -hmm. um i ended up with kylie minogue's management and then my son was born and i had a, a cathartic change um and then I went to youth work and spent 25 years of that. Um, recently only realizing that that was God uh, tapping on my shoulder. Uh, I wasn't Christian in those days. Um, very difficult to be a Christian and a musician in those days. Um, but that was, I recently looked at a few things that I could interpret as taps on the shoulder and he's been there all along. Um, and then I met Wendy about 12 years ago. We met both out of trauma or going, you know, coming out of traumatic situations um, and was literally saved on all a number of levels. Um, 
definitely saved, definitely saved and taken back to love, uh, God's love and Wendy's love. Mm. And a whole range of oh, stuff in them that's happened in that, you know, that 40 years or so, 50 years. But I still play drums. And I'm still very cognitive of, because uh, I, I teach in the high schools as well, and if, if I've got young people doing year 12, I'll ask them what's the dream, because they might be studying, you know, math, English, all of that stuff. And uh, I, I've been teaching um, uh, health, allied health in there, young, young ladies mainly who want to be nurses and boys. And I'll ask them what the dream is. And I think maybe five out of 15 will have a dream uh, and the others don't really know what I'm talking about. We've lost a bit of that. Mm. It's been knocked out of children at different generations because it's not a real job. Mm. So I'm very passionate about anybody, but young people in particular following a dream, mm. which may not make sense. And certainly, you know, certainly didn't to my parents. Mm. Um, they never ever understood it. It was always, you know, when you're going to get a real job. And yeah. uh, versus, you know, I've come across parents that I wish I had, you know, with with musicians that I've worked with, and they've, you know, they've bought them the first piano and they've paid for their first recording contract. You know, the whole, the whole uh, nine yards. Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, and I'm blessed with being married to an angel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Thanks for giving us that snapshot. I, I especially love that you talked a little bit about your background as a, as a drummer in bands. Um, 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 I'd like to hear more of that along the way. Uh, but for now, hey, could you tell us a little bit about this amazing book? Because uh, like I said in the intro, this is a subject that really applies to everyone. Uh, everyone's experienced some level of dr- trauma, uh, whether it's um, significant yeah. trauma or other and I'd just love you to tell us a little bit of the backstory. What what sort of came about to um, have you? Make yeah, this look, it um, it's in the book, the in the forward and the introduction. You know how it how it came about. But the short story is many years ago, in another in- industry that I was working at as a corporate trainer, I was working in leadership and management training, and we had a we had a, a request from a, a multinational company they were about to sack 3000 of their staff and they didn't quite know how they were going to handle that from a organizational development, um, not so much psychology, but processing 3000 people, Mm. most of which had been their first job out of school. They had married people in the company. They loved the company, but they were downsizing because they were mechanizing. So they were going from manual labor to computer world. So um, there was a team involved, and um, we looked at all of the standard trauma um, processes that people would say they have to go through or watch out for going through, and they seemed very complex. Um, At that stage, I hadn't really linked anything to psychology or I really didn't think much of psychology in those days. Not sure I do now, but... um, we designed a model uh, that was seemed to be much simpler for managers to take their teams through all the way down to the people on the shop floor. And we made that painful process much, much easier to swallow than, than had they 
just been left on their own devices. You know, a letter to say, well, you've been retrenched. You know, they we retrained, they found jobs, they retrained people for leaving the company. Uh, now in 19, when was that? Early 80s. That was quite unique for a company to do that. That's that's revolutionary, like to, to mm. not just say, look, we're letting you go. But did you say they actually developed programs to train them so that they could on-ramp other employment? Yeah, we took them through their own individual mental processes with bad news wow. and the the organization then reskilled identified strengths what do people want some people wanted to take a package and and set up a restaurant or a dream you know they they had quite substantial exit plans mm. uh, and i i don't know i can't remember the exact figure but we we didn't get a hundred percent hit but we it was a fairly successful um if not satisfied people leaving the company, then at least they had a future hope. Wow. And there's um, places that need to do that kind of stuff today. You well, that's, that that's become quite yeah. dominant. That's why the book showed up because I hadn't touched that model since then. So that's wow. what 40 years. Um, Cause obviously I changed industries um, mm. and my library behind me is, and the computer is full of stuff, you know, in terms of change management. And, and um, I have studied, psychology and social work um mainly to learn the languages of social work and psychology and bible studies so the book came about um when wendy discovered i had this model because um as the introduction of the book says we were about to split up would you believe and i was in the car leaving and then I turned the car around. I just noticed in the mirror she was in the car park, not waving goodbye, but just standing there. Nearly broke my heart again. But I turned the car around and said, this is not right. Um, let's take 22 days before we make a decision that we may regret for a long time. And so we did that. The model came up that, and, the, and Wendy came up with the 88 days. And I said, well, if we split that into 22 days, that just about works out the times when the trauma industry, if you like, for want of a better expression, say 30 days you should be functional at least again from a major trauma if not 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 over it but functional and so we split that 88 days which has some biblical reference to new beginnings um and built four four quadrants of um the event safety acceptance and and an acknowledgement and then a final accommodate a place for it to live where it doesn't have the energy that it would have had from the shock and the panic of uh, the first, you know, the first 22 days or the first 30 days, but it didn't have to be 22 actual days. You know, the, if you use it as a change model, not necessarily trauma, you can get over something in 22 minutes, mm. 22 months. You know, what we thought about with the book was if you do the maths, we've roughly got 27,000 days from the time we're born to the time we're 70, 70, mm. uh, add a bit for the 18 years before we start work. Um, a third of it was sleeping, a third of it were doing other things. We're really only working or creating and playing guitar. Maybe musicians are playing 12 hours a day. But how long of how many of those days do we want to spend in a constant level of grief or victimness or whatever, whatever keeps us down? I brought that old model out, but I also brought with it um, you know, 25 years of working with traumatized youth 
I still work with traumatized people in child protection, um, 10, 11, 12 year olds. Um, and at the same time, Wendy had these images and they just seemed to meld together like it was supposed to be. And that's when we know God's at work. And yes. when we actually surrendered to it, we argued every page, I think. <laughs> you know, they say if, if couples can get over a holiday together, they can. it'll be a pretty good thing. Well, if you can write a book together. Um, a book about yeah, trauma. Yeah, even so, uh, you know, it's God's, you know, God's partnership for sure. Yeah. Wow. And you mentioned, um, you know, quite early in that, what you're talking about there, you were talking about if you can give it 22 days, when you're talking about it, are you talking about the trauma itself in, in how it occupies our mental space and our emotional space? For a long time, trauma was defined as the thing that happened. Right. Because I mean, I've, I have a master's in youth mental health now, and the the amount of science that we know um, from those days, the last you know, the last forty years or so, is that there is the trauma is what happens to you after an event. So your right. reaction or your response to the event uh, to the event is the trauma. Mm. Where historically, a lot of textbooks. This is not a textbook, by the way. It's never designed to be a textbook. But a lot of the models of textbook have the trauma as being the thing. The trauma is the thing, but it's what what you what your body does with it, what your mind does it, what your soul does with it, that creates the problems. Mm. And that's when we have a biological mechanism that takes care of us. The mm. problem is that it can take care of us too well, puts us into safety, um, and then doesn't necessarily want us to feel that pain again so it keeps us there and it's very strong guys i really hope you're enjoying season two of art vance i've had so much enjoyment creating it can i ask you a favor to go over to apple podcasts and write a five-star review for us it will help us reach more people as well could you make sure you subscribe to the youtube channel elliot bonza as well as subscribe to the podcast on apple i really appreciate it keeping people safe from the pain of being told to get a proper job yeah. if they want to be an artist, because that, that meaning has come from an important source and it becomes a belief. And so what that mechanism does, that biological mechanism is it keeps that um, voice unheard, but mm. keeps people in a kind of a, an emotional prison, particularly creatives because they're very sensitive to, um, well, if you, if you match creatives with, with God's word, they're very sensitive to God's word. The planet's not necessarily <laughs> aligned with that. Um, you know, it's more like being an accountant or nothing wrong with accountants, right? But mm. uh, something we can understand and you know you'll have money and you, you know something's safe, so be an engineer, all of those yeah. traditional things when all you really want to do is play guitar all day. Yeah, uh, and then perform. You know, um, performance is a measure of. Well, remember when you were three, four, and five years old, and your mum and dad or whatever got you doing things, and everybody clapped and said, "Oh, isn't that lovely?" And it's great. And there was there was the payoff for performance. Sure, uh, that never goes away. I think that's why I teach. I still have an audience. Yes, um, yes. You know, I'm playing in the worship band um, at uh, World Changes, and. Yeah. Um, I think when was it last Sunday? Last Sunday I was playing and I could not stop crying on stage. Mm. 
um, you know, and it, was, it wasn't hidden from the congregation. And I couldn't stop. I mean, couldn't stop drumming and then, you know, wipe the tears away. But they were screaming, <laughs> and I, I don't know why. You know, it was, a, it was a dump. It was a, it was a, an anointing that I just had to run with. I just want to jump back into it. When you flip over to artists, we can mm. we can find this this emotional vulnerability um, that is a byproduct of of having the the emotional sensitivity that gives us the capacity to be creative and innovative and mm. and 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 create things. Um, but then it also positions us. You mentioned the words emotional prison in the sense of mm. if we experience something that has an adverse effect on our emotions. Um, big or small doesn't matter it happens um it can take us a little while to to pick ourselves up from that um yeah yeah would you be able to just expand on that a little bit because i know for artists who are listening to this we have people who are actors listening to this people who are writers people who are filmmakers people who are musicians visual artists we've got a whole range of artists that that tune into art bands and um yeah i know for every single one of them something has happened whether it's in the studio on set um, on a canvas <laughs> um, where yeah. someone spe- speaks a negative word or corrects you harshly or, or even yeah. you get fired, you know, even go to the talk about loss type mm. of trauma. Um, mm. Yeah. Could you kind of give us a little of an outline of, of in the 88 days book, how yeah. does that, how does that resource people um, in that creative spectrum? Cause it's a highly creative book. I thought about this for I thought about this for a long time. Mm-hmm. But if you're an artist or a musician, whatever, listening to this, the part that I think seems to work, and you look at um, why people are artists and why they persevere with uh, one of the hardest careers in the world. Um, I think actors is the hardest, and then followed by musicians and an artist, because at least if you have a work of art, you can maybe sell it. If you're in a band, you can busk. If you are an actor, you are waiting for that phone call. Most of it is external um, appreciation for what you do. So if you get good applause, you get lots of gigs, that equates to being a good artist or a good musician or whatever. So it's an external um, acknowledgement of, of who you are. Yeah, seems over the years. I've had, one of one of my other parts in music was, um, I was a copyist for Channel Nine Television and the Young Talent Time, and that's where the Minogue Sisters started and a whole bunch of other people, you know, in the in the industry who I still know. And I, I was what I was thinking about those days, where successful artists and musicians tended not to have external applause as the main thing or external affirmation but an internal affirmation an internal acceptance of well i don't i mean i care if people applause and i get a job but not really there's another higher power having me do my craft Mm. and you don't have to be a christian to get that Mm. but i think if you don't tune if you are a christian and you can't you can't tune into that and you know it because you felt God's presence, but there's a barrier. Yeah. And it's a barrier we're not aware of. One of the one of the new analogies I have is when you when you buy your mobile phone, you don't know what apps come with it. When you're born to about 
maybe 15 years old, you don't actually know what you're being influenced by in your surroundings mm. until you get language and your the front part of your brain is working with executive, you know, being able to analyze and think things through. So you, you get to 15 with a whole bunch of apps that you, you don't even know you have. And they can be traumatic apps. They're recordings, programming of environment, people around you. Um, so if you're surrounded by love and support for being a musician, you've got that app there and all you've really got to do is hit the button. If you don't have that app, mm. you have to try and create it from somewhere. And we see it in church a lot is people are waiting for God to come and fix it. Give me the thing I need. Um, they pray for it, Lord. You know, make me a successful musician. Make make my yeah. record sell. Make my book sell. <laughs> yeah. um, we haven't done that, by the way. The um, We haven't prayed for the book in terms of money. But we have <laughs> prayed for it in terms of, gee, we hope it helps. There's a partnership that we think works, that, that God is... He's waiting for us to get into action about our um, strengths and dreams and uh, not the other way around, where we're mm. waiting for God to provide the opportunities. And the strange thing is he does. Mm. And they're actually always there. Yeah. But if we're waiting for him, we can often miss the, which, is, which was my life for a long time. I'm, you know, I never made it to the top of the tree in drumming, but um I wasn't aware, I wasn't tuned into his word either. And he was telling me things that I later discovered, you know, about being creative, about what you do to be successful and, and happy for that matter. Uh, and I missed his signals completely until 12 years ago. So creatives um, are particularly sensitive to what human beings say about them to the point where they'll believe them rather than God's word, yeah. even if they're Christians. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't be, you wouldn't worry about earning money as a guitarist or a bass player or whatever. Um, yeah. If you really want to make money, be a bass player because there's not many of them. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> but it's easy to learn. <laughs> Drumming, violin, all that. My first, my first instrument at school was a violin. So I had music in me. From there, my mother sang in operatic societies. My dad played piano. So I was surrounded by that app, those apps, yeah. those early programs. And if you're not, then you have to create them from your peers, your tribes, where you learn your craft, uh, yeah. people you trust, surround yourself with people who want you to win. Yes. Rather than yeah. say, hey, you better go and get, you know, make sure you've got your barista coffee maker. Get a day job. Get a day job, yeah. So that that's yeah. really we put that into the book, which was my history. And then we looked at 88 pages of um, things to think about whilst you're looking at the art. God, God, art and God can, God can speak to people through a picture, through art, much clearer than you're trying to tune in and listen for a voice. Yeah. Um, now I hear, I hear God's voice. It's my voice um, with his message. But I know that if I listen to a song, I can just be brought to tears, you know. Um, yes. Deep cries out, you know, that yeah. uh, every time I hear deep cries out, I cannot not cry. Um, that that song had a, an extraordinary effect on me because I heard his voice through that song. Wow. Um, 
I was traveling to Dayspring in Sydney with with Wendy on a Sunday because I had wheedled myself in the back door to play in the band because I was with Wendy. Mm. Um, and I was worried that that was a bit slimy. And we're driving into um, into Dayspring and uh, I just, the song was the song was on the CD and I just burst into tears crying. So mm. I pulled over. Wendy said, what, what, what's going on? I said, I just heard of, I may break down now, by the way. Um, I said, I heard this voice. She said, what did, what did he say? What did he say? He says, do you think I would let you play in my band if you were not saved? So I was worried about not being saved authentically. And he knew that. And I, and that song was, was the song. And wow. he said, do you think I would let you play in my worship band if you were not saved? It was very clear. Um, and, uh, you know, we got there. So I know his voice can come through music, as you do, um, mm. but it also comes through images that that Wendy does, and she does that on stage with the band, and yeah. she's done it in your studio. So, so we know the elements are there. Yeah. What we didn't, what I couldn't find was how do you translate that across the bridge between secular and non secular? Because when you when you want to look at trauma, you end up with a psychologist. Yes. Or these days, the clinical neuroscientists. Yeah. Um, and you spend an hour with them, and you're lucky if you get six. But it's very quite difficult to find a Christian psychologist, and that's another industry altogether and another set of textbooks. Um, so we kind of thought, well, how, how can we – I thought, how could I simplify the, the mind processes that humans go through, bearing in mind that, God already knows what's going to happen, or God, God's got it, but we have to do some work with him in partnership. And that's where that's the piece of the jigsaw that we thought was missing, or the bridge. It was like a Sydney Harbour Bridge with no middle. Mm. Um, so that's where we've pitched it. And the, the people that have read it that we gave it to with a view to give us an opinion about it have just gone, wow, this, mm. this is what I've needed, or this is what this will be useful for me. It's not a textbook. It's not a, you know, I've, I have the textbooks behind me from, from three degrees. Um, it's designed for in a language that maybe resonates. Certainly, res we hope resonates with, with artists and musicians. Yeah. Um, because where, where do you go to? Who do you talk to if you say, look, I've got a dream. I just want to, you know, I want to be the next Ed Sheeran or I want to be the next um, Johnson um kids in um in bethel mm. uh, and they're extraordinary musicians and singers but there there's a lot of them in the world so how come yeah. they get to do what they do and yeah. it's because they're surrounded by people who want them to win there's a structure where they show up yeah. i show up in class teaching young people i show up in ministry playing in a band I, you know if I'm a rock and roll band, I'll show up. That's my they're my structures. Yeah. Uh, with yourself, you have a structure of you and a guitar and and uh, and ministry, you know. And and um, yeah. so it's about finding your structure. Wendy has hers. Um, you know, we do workshops with um, with her art and um, not so much the stuff in the book. I've got some other stuff that we do in the art the art workshops. But the, we think there's a workshop that can come out of 88 days. Oh, absolutely. Like as so, you're talking about that, Andy, like I'm just keeping hearing the recurring theme of, you know, one of the major keys 
to journey through through and out of trauma is to learn the technique of dreaming again um you know you've mentioned that word dream or dreaming a few times and it just made reminded me of psalm 126 where it said the lord brought out the captives of zion yeah we were like those who dreamed um which has always been a favorite verse for me because i've been a daydreamer since i was a kid and <laughs> you know daydreamers don't get a good rap most of the time um but I believe God's raising up daydreamers. I think there's something of his voice that waits for us in those daydreams um, because it is a place where our imagination meets with heaven. Um, and it's yep. also a place where the soul heals. Like that's that's my opinion. That's yep. been some of the testimony of my life of healing from trauma is giving the imagination time to, to fellowship with God. Um, so I love that you've mentioned yep. the possibility of a workshop yeah. It, it, what we're hoping is this is a the book could be a workshop you can run yourself for yourself yeah and we'd really like to know people that, that buy it and read it and, and it doesn't work we'd really like to know that but we certainly would like to know where it's a it's not necessarily about the book doing it to you it's about you putting yourself into the book through gazing at the art each page has a different theme. For example, I'll just open up random. Oh, imagine. How about that? Just my total random. Fantastic. Uh, page 81 has um, a, a young person sitting, you know, looking at stars, dreaming. Yeah. But imagine we have, um, what do you see? Gold stars, dancing angels, imaginary friends. Are they coming to rescue you or beckoning you to play? Your inner child has dreams and visions and is not inhibited by doubt. Yeah. So children don't worry about what children with art and music don't worry about what it sounds like. That's something that we get when we're 15. Um, yeah. We, we become sensitive to opinions and, and then you've got self doubt. Um, the affirmation on page 81 is I will allow my inner child to imagine again. I will not be inhibited, in, inhibited sorry, by my doubts and worries. Um, mm -hmm. And then the prayer is I break off any agreement, known or unknown, with any belief about myself that does not come from God. Yeah. Um, so if you are listening to, so artists, musicians, if you're listening to this, if you are worried about what people say, what's happening, it's, you know, that's not coming from God. Yeah. So that's one way of going, well, you know, I'm going to switch that app off. Yes. And try to create a new one that says, I'm just going to listen for what God tells me to do, and I'm going to trust that the process will bring me the dream. And that was just a purely random page there, by the way, and there's nothing random in God's world. That's right. And and people who are listening, you didn't see the video, but, yeah, um, Andy pulled up a random page with uh, the whole the whole subject focus is dreaming and daydreaming and imagining um, and you know, I, I teach, um, students, 500 students a week, how to be filmmakers and how to act for screen. Um, and one of the things I say to them often is we spend our childhood being told how to be mature, how to be responsible, how to be respectful, how to be considerate of others, um, how to listen to your parents. And, you know, and, and whilst I agree with all of that, um, along the way, we can quickly stop being children and, once you get to my age, I say to them, <laughs> I'm trying to learn how to <laughs> yeah. be a child again. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out what it means to be a child again. Um, 
because there's freedoms and abilities that exist in that realm of childlike faith that oh, cannot exist in uh, the carnally mature mind. I read my own book and thought, man, if I'd had this when I stopped trying to bring a an overseas youth program in, um, which which cost me a lot in terms of um, career, uh, mm. I wish I'd had this book because that was a traumatic event. You know, I lost a marriage, I lost a house. Um, became quite victimized by the thing. And I go, I wish I'd had my own book because I quit. So I think if you're sitting in that place, um, that's some feedback that we've got is uh, I don't, I may be, the event may have gone long gone. So what's keeping it alive in my day to day? Yeah, that's good. Um, so it must be something in my mind that's that I'm not aware of. But it doesn't necessarily mean there's something wrong with you. One of the, I think one of the major faults that we have in the non-secular world is, well, if you think, you know, if you're not functioning or you're not letting go of a dream or moving on, you better go and see a psychologist or some professional, you know, therapy mm -hmm. thing. Um, and so people don't, particularly young people, particularly, you know, if there's any listeners who are, you know, 16 to 25, who um, don't want to have that shame label of there's something wrong with you, you better go get it fixed before you can be a great musician or sure. before you can be an artist. Most of the world's artists and musicians are a bit crazy. I think it's a prerequisite, and I think God gave it to you. You know, so it's like, you're feeling crazy? Yeah, thank the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, that's part of the, that's part of the app that he's given you. A bit crazy, a bit non-compliant, and that's why you don't didn't fit into high school. Yes. Uh, you're still in a job you hate, so you're not going to be compliant there. So it's about a leap of faith, maybe somewhere being blocked by. By the way, the thing that the thing that blocks you in your brain is the size of a walnut, the amygdala. Wow. It's a little bit smaller actually, um, but that thing is controlling our entire emotions. And the it sits at the base of the brain, um, and they know a lot about a lot of, more about it now than um, because of the science of neuroscience and and what's actually going on in the brain. But luckily, they can't read minds, so they can't hack your relationship with God. Yeah, so they can't hack into that signal. The other thing about the sensitivity of artists is when you're when you're growing up to around about 16, you are pretty much a feeling machine. Mm -hmm. Every decision you make is based on feelings, feelings, feelings. And if you don't get the front part of your brain developed, the executive summary, thinking takes a while to develop. Um, and I came up with something the other day where I thought, is this me or have I read it somewhere that f feelings can't solve problems? Mm. They can make you feel enough to think, to, to start thinking about it, but it's the thinking process that will solve your problem, get your dreams, at least the goal setting. Mm. You go from a dream, how do you make a dream come true? You have to break it down thinking about goals and steps towards that dream. Mm. And if you can't do that, then it's not a dream, it's a fantasy. That's right. And you've got to you've got to make that 
distinction between God's giving you a dream. He doesn't give you fantasies. No, that's Wherever right. the fantasy has come from, that's not God's word. And if yes. you can't break the dream down, so if you can't, you can't break a fantasy down, you can certainly think about it and feel about it, but you've got to break down into steps towards that dream come true. And a if man someone plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's steps involved in that. Sorry, yeah. keep going, Andy. Okay. Um, and that's what that's the thing I think in the partnership with the Lord is the steps are you to identify the steps for your the dream that He's given you that you have now decided to own and hopefully not quit. You know. Um and what what we've found is that there is a, a language you can use. Um about self-belief and about probably every self-help book that's ever been out there. Um, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with this being a self-help book, but yeah. it, it looks like it may be the first early feedback is that it may, you may be able to heal partly yourself. If it then doesn't go away, then seek professional help, but at least you're going there by choice and not because there's something wrong with you. Yeah. You've already done the preparation to go, no, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just blocked somewhere. And yeah. all humans get blocked. Yes. So if all human beings get blocked, then there's nothing specifically wrong with you. Yeah. You know, and if and if they can get over that, then either the the book paved the way with, with God's help, but then there is a place for psychologists and, and the clinicians. Um, sure. But it's more and that's what I've actually pitched this at, at Headspace in that they've um Professor Pat McGorry, who's the head of that strain of the year, um, has also said there is a gap in clinical psychology that we don't know if we can fill because we are full of the science. Yeah. And the other part to that is bringing the community into that gap. Yes. So the community around a young person, musician, need much yes. more support than uh, just a student finishing year 12. Or someone yeah. 25 going, my teacher says I'm great. I don't know what to do with it. Who do I contact? So you start to form your networks, your peers yeah. of support who want you to win. And anyone that says, oh, it's too hard, you know, you should give up, you know, why should you make it? The difficult part is separating yourself from them yeah, um, or from those apps. Because if they yeah. say an app and you've got that app, you've got evidence that it's true. That's right. Uh, and most, you know, rather than listening to the truth of the Lord, um, and that's in the Bible. So there's a there's a partnership. I think there's a partnership that often Christians that the Christians miss that their part in it. Yes. Nope, Lord will provide. He knows yep. it all. He's coming to the rescue. <coughs> um, it's kind of the journey to the promised land for the Israelites, wasn't it? They came out yeah. of captivity. They went into the wilderness to learn dependence on the Lord, that he was near to them, but yep. they rejected him because he wanted intimacy. But they said, no, we want Moses to speak on behalf of the Lord. We're scared of authority. We're scared of, um, you know, the notion that God wants to lead us. We're happy for a king to, you know, a king Saul. You know, we want a man. Um, and then when it gets to the promised land, most people die before they pass through the gate because they don't have any capacity to yeah. think in an ownership mindset that I'm going to own my journey. I'm going to take my land or take my inheritance. Um, yeah. 
you know, it's so prophetic that a whole generation had to die off, not just speaking age wise, just speaking mindset wise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think there's a whole generation right now that's passing away that are threatened by the giants in the land whilst the, you know, Caleb's and Joshua's are rising up and saying, no, this is ours. It's always been ours and we just need to step into it. I think that's why there's the, um, there's a reformation going on with, with, um, with Christians at the moment. You know, there's the, there's the new burst out that was in, where was that? Asbury. Asbury. Yeah. There was a Toronto one. And then there was the one, um, a few weeks ago. Um, Mm. because I think we've gone through a couple of generations, Gen Y, Gen Z really didn't get that much involved in the spirituality. That was all the I, I, me, me, greed, generations who are now parents and decision makers but the current generation of young people i think are swinging back to no spiritually we you know we're not chasing capitalism and we're not chasing the dollar the spirit is much more important and they're coming back to they're coming back to jesus yeah um which is yeah such an amazing picture of god leading them out of out of trauma and out of operating from that app yeah, tra- trauma is a, it's a complicated thing, mm. but the first few pathway through it doesn't have to be. Uh, and I think people go, oh, I'm the Magdala is saying in an app, don't don't go to a psychologist because it'll just relive the pain. Mm. And it goes, okay, I'll keep, I'll, I won't let you have that pain anymore. That's my job. The yeah, whole job of that was to keep you safe, yeah, keep you emotionally yeah. safe, keep you physically safe. But it does its job too well, or it can, because um, it knows your fears as well as your aspirations. And so does the enemy. So the enemy can use, through the amygdala, can get your own fears and manipulate them that way. Make um, you live in accordance with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, um, I think, if I look at my my parents upbringing they had the traumas of wars which the event finished and then there was a recovery period and i look at the times since that and we've been in a social war Mm. since since those times we've had skirmishes you know afghanistan and iraq and all that kind of stuff Mm. but we have not had a finishing point to this social war of survival of jobs Mm. mortgages of of uh people needing help when they'll come to the church for that. Um, and the church can't give it all. I can't do the whole, the, the masses, the numbers are so great out there um, yeah. just for the basics now. And that, and that's a social war. Yes. I think where artists and musicians can come to the party is, I don't, I don't know if you're aware of a singer songwriter called Dan Fogelberg, but he was originally the guy that was signed to Asylum Records, and he sold millions, and no one knows much about him. Uh, but that amount of money allowed that record company to sign the Eagles and Jackson Brown, and the rest was history. No but way. Dan, Dan was a um, a poet laureate musician, and he said it is the duty of artists to push the envelopes of society and spirituality um, and the planet. So he was very much a he lived up in Denver, um, you know, spent a lot of time up there in the mountains, and then he would go to do business in L.A. 
back and he, he sailed the oceans very much in tune with um, spirituality. Yeah. Uh, but that was his, that was what I take from him. I wish I'd, uh, I wish I'd met him sometime, you know, but he mm. said, it's the duty of artists to push that, push that message out that may be uncomfortable for other people to hear sometimes. Um, yeah. But that's, I think that's why God's put them on the planet. Yeah. That's their so good. Goal, is to prick the conscience of people who don't do the right thing or, have society think about um, just doing the right thing according to Christian values. Um, yeah. I see them diminishing yearly almost, the, you know, the value system. Yeah, and they become darker, but yet then the moral compass that comes through other yeah. songwriters yeah. becomes even more highlighted uh, yeah. for the culture, which is really powerful. Look, Andy, so anyone, it's been... Oh, I was going to say, anyone sitting there wondering with their talent why they're on the planet that's why one of the reasons why it's your job your purpose to have us develop and maintain the values that allow human beings to live together in which is jesus world it's all it's all his world be a jesus you know jesus type um and um and that's your function on the planet I love it. You mentioned the it is the duty of artists to push the boundaries. Is that right? Is that what you yeah. said? Yeah. And that was spoken by Dan Fogelberg. Dan Fogelberg. Yeah. So good. Very, very hey. much in the non very much in the non secular music world. But, yeah, sure. But certainly Googleable. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. His Look, um, um, and it's yeah. It's been so good to have you on. Would you be able to just release a blessing prayer over our artists? Um, and after you finish the prayer, tell us where to find your book so that we can <laughs> get it out there. Amen. Amen. So guys, you've been listening to Andy Smith talking about the new book that's just landed 88 days, a path, a road to recovery from trauma. Now, Andy, where can people get a hold of this book? Where can uh, people engage with you? I know there's a Facebook page called 88 days, but where else can they get a hold of the book? There's a website that Wendy's just done called 88.au and it's on Amazon. Uh, and it's the Amazon books are printed here in Australia for Australians. Yeah. Interestingly enough, we released it on the 30th, which was the 88th day of the year. And we didn't wow. know that. That's so that. cool. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, awesome. That, that in tuneness is what I'm talking about with, with apps that, you know, are running and you see them. You, they look like coincidences. Well, Andy, it's been so good to hear the backstory of the book. It's really great to even just start this conversation uh, for some Christian artists who aren't really uh, having these dialogues about trauma and how to recover mm. from trauma and what even is God's perspective. Uh, so it's a great book. It's full of um, the kinesthetic side of things. It's artistic. It's also uh, got a devotional basis to it as well. Mm-hmm. So, guys, please go and get it. Support Andy and, and the venture of this book because I know it's going to bless a lot of Christian artists. So, Andy, thanks so much for being on Art Vance. Mate, you're very welcome. 
You're very welcome. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. We'll put all uh, the links in the uh, in the show notes yeah, so that people great. can get it. And um, yeah, so guys, you've been listening to Andy Smith. It's been great to have you guys along the journey, and we'll see you next time on Art Pants. God bless.